We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys on this Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we remember that the Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days. That's what Pentecost means. Pent, 50 uh, cost days. 50 days after Jesus was resurrected that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and the church was born. And today we celebrate that. And I look out here at all of you and all of you that are joining us online. Um, on that note, I just want to take a moment to welcome you, all of you who are joining us from our Hope Church family in Eureka. Can we give it up for our family in Eureka? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Come on. We love you guys so much. We're so grateful for you. And we know that God is moving so powerfully. And you had a community event planned up there today that maybe the weather messed with a little bit. But I still believe God is doing something. We're excited about it with you. And our Hope City family in downtown, Dennis and Debbie McPherson, we love you. And the gang down there, we love you guys. And all those who are joining us, yeah, who are part of our Hope family online. We love that you get to join us and be a part of what God is doing here, even online today. But as I look out here, and I think about all the people that are joining us today, um, and it's amazing. Sometimes it just blows me away. There's people joining us all over the world, sometimes on a Sunday, and you cannot, um, you cannot discount the church of Jesus Christ. Like, it is the unstoppable, one of the greatest forces on planet Earth, spiritual forces that has done more to change this world than anything else. And I'm just so grateful. I don't know about you. In fact, um, today's the day a year ago that we first came back to church after being shut in for almost two months. And so today is a really special day to me as I was sitting there worshiping. I was just thanking God. We were singing about his faithfulness and his goodness. I was saying, God, how many of you are grateful this morning for the faithfulness and the goodness of God that we can stay, stand here and worship Jesus together in person? That, that, that sounds even crazy, doesn't it? But after last year, I don't think anything's crazy anymore, right? And so I just love that we, we actually don't take this for granted anymore. That's, that's what I really feel in my heart, is that I don't take this. I think it's so easy to begin to take worship for granted, to, to take the church for granted. And if there's one thing today I'm reminded of, that as we came back and gathered back together, I didn't even know how many of y'all would show up. I thought, man, I haven't seen my people in two months. I didn't know if there'd be 15 or 500 or what. But I was just, I didn't even care. I was just so grateful to be worshiping Jesus in a room with other people who want to worship him and want to go after him with all their heart. That is the essence of the church. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And I'm so grateful to be here today and to worship Jesus together on this Pentecost Sunday. Um, I'm going to jump in. This is really part two of a message that I started last week called Make It Count. Make It Count. And, um, and if you haven't, if you, hadn't, if you weren't here or you hadn't heard that message, um, I never like to toot my own horn, but I would say, not because I d preached great or anything like that, but straight up, this is the Word of God, and I believe that the Word of God really challenged us, even as it challenges me, as I dig into the Word for you and study and pray and press in, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do? Um, what do you want to speak to your church? 
Uh, man, I believe that God is doing something in this hour. He's doing something now. He's doing something on planet Earth. He's doing something right here at Hope Church, and he's doing something in this valley. And if we're not careful, we could lose sight of it. We could miss it very easy. So we're, I'm going to jump back in, and we're going to read um, a passage of the text together out of Ephesians chapter 4. We are in chapter 4 as we've been going through each chapter of Ephesians in this message series called Sculpted. Has this message series blessed you? I hope that it has. Um, as much as, I, honestly, one of the things I love about preaching is that the word and the message always works me over before I bring it to you. And uh, just to see God's hand over the course of my life, I've had the privilege and the honor and the grace to live for 49 years. I know I don't look like it. I know I look better than that. I'm just kidding. But, but, uh, but for 49 years, um, I've had just God's amazing hand on my life and gotten the privilege and the honor to see God do some amazing things. And yet there's something inside of me that says uh, we're just scratching the surface, that there's so much more that God has for us. And I don't know about you, but I want to make my life count. And, uh, and I think that's what Paul was trying to encourage us with, and it was what I was trying to encourage you with last week. So I'm going to just <clears throat> jump right back in into Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to pick up at verse 7. All right, are you with me? Yeah. Awesome. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself, and this is the portion we're going to hone in on this morning, for Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure in the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up to love as each part does its work, as each part does its work. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, we thank you that today as we celebrate Pentecost, we're reminded that there's nothing that we can do apart from your Spirit. God, that everything that we do apart from your Spirit is in vain. God, your Word says that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and that God, we, but we play a part in that. And so today, Father, I pray that you would use your word to stir up the gift inside of us, the calling inside of us that each one of us has. God, to see where we fit in this body and what you would have us do to be a part of your church and for your kingdom. 
God, I pray that you would use this word. I pray for every heart, every person listening right now, that you would open their heart, open their mind, and open their ears and eyes to see and hear and grasp everything that you have for us today. God, use this time. And God, as always, I want to lift up the great nation of the United States of America. Would you pray with me, church, just for a few minutes? Father God, we pray for this nation. We pray that revival would sweep over this nation. God, we ask that you would forgive us of our sin, of worshiping other gods and turning away from you. Father, we repent on behalf of ourselves, our church, and our nation. And we ask that you forgive us and that you would heal our land. And God, we pray that revival would sweep over it. Let it start in Washington and let it move to all the four corners of this nation. So we give it to you, return it to you. One nation under God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. I love this country, don't you? I feel so blessed to be an American. And even though we're, we're going through some, I would say, uh, growing pains as a nation. I believe that God is trying to restore some things. We're lost, and he's trying to redeem some time. And um, last week, I kind of left off my message just reminding us that every single one of us, Paul says that you have been called. You've been called. You've been given a grace. In other words, you've been given a gift. There's something that God uniquely created you to do. That's grace. A grace is a supernatural ability. It's not even within your own ability to do it. But, but we, in order for us to use what God has deposited in you, that we need to first work on our character. That character becomes the foundation for which the gifting of God gets poured on top of, and he builds us up in our faith and in that gifting uh, to use us for his works and for his service in the earth. But if our character and our foundation isn't deep enough, kind of like going through the storms um, that we went through this past year through the pandemic, um, when we were shut in for two months, it became really apparent and as a pastor, um, what got put in my face is, have we as the church done a good enough job making mature disciples of Jesus? Because if we haven't, people of faith during that time, and what scares me as a pastor, statistically, uh, Barna Group and some Christian research companies, during their research during that time, they said about a third of Christians walked away from the church and walked away from their faith. What that tells me is that we weren't anchored enough in who God is and who we are in Christ. Because if we are, then when things come into our life, um, we should be able to withhold the storm. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And it's that anchor that keeps us grounded. And so like Paul was saying, we're not tossed back and forth during that season. You didn't have church. You didn't have your pastor to meet with you and spoon feed you the word of God and to teach you. You had to figure out, man, how much of my faith is my own? How much have I made it my own? How much do I study and read the Bible on my own? How much do I get a word from God for my own? Or am I dependent on a pastor that I pay to do it for me, to give me the word of God? And and it became really real how much we are rooted and grounded. And yet, in that, once our character is built, in which we're going to get into today, God can use you and he could use me in some powerful ways. Everyday, ordinary people, just like you, just like me, he can use us in some profound ways, but we gotta get a hold of this calling. 
we got to get a hold of it. I mean, there, I, I am more convinced than ever. And man, I, you're going to hear me harp on this. Because if you don't know what you're called to, you need to figure it out. Because otherwise, what happens is you're in danger of not making your life count. In fact, you're in danger of wasting your life, wasting your time. I actually think we're living in a day and age where it's never been easier to waste our time. We got Netflix, we got, we got stuff on our phone, man. I could kill time like nobody's business. I mean, just scrolling, scrolling, liking, hearting, posting, scrolling, and time is just going by. And I don't think I gave it to you in this first service, but I was talking to the second service about Elvis Presley. And there's this, uh, so I looked it up because I wanted to get the exact quote. Um, Reader's Digest, after Elvis Presley had died, they did an interview with Priscilla Presley, his wife. And and there's this quote I want to read to you that I think is profound about Elvis. And and this is the problem in our um, culture today where we we uh, idolize people who have done something great and who are gifted, but yet privately their lives are a mess. And this was the case with Elvis, but I believe Elvis had a call on his life of God. Look at what she said. She said, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be. And I think that's the problem with a lot of us. What his purpose in life was, he thought he was here for a reason. Just like deep inside, no, we're here for a reason. He said he thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. That agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. So what did he do? He'd go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it. For many of us, we may not have a stage to come up on so we don't have to think about it, but I think we're scrolling and scrolling, and we're streaming and watching Netflix, and we're doing this. We are, our people, we are more busy than any, any culture ever in the human race. And I believe that part of that busyness is that we're just trying to do exactly what Elvis was trying to do. There's something inside of us that knows we were made for something more, and yet we don't know what that is, and so there's a pit in our stomach And we're just trying to drown it out, sometimes with alcohol, sometimes with drugs, sometimes with porn. We're just trying to get through life because we don't want to think that somehow we're not fulfilling this thing that we're called to. And as your pastor, I'm going to challenge you today that you are called. But the first thing that you are called to is you're called to be complete. Complete. Look what Paul says in, in Ephesians Um, If you put up that next scripture for me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of God. Now that word mature there actually is the Greek word um, teleos. Teleos. And what it means, it means to be brought to its end, finished, Lacking nothing necessary to what completeness. Sometimes when we read mature, we think, oh my gosh, we need to be perfect. Like I gotta, I gotta know everything in the Bible. That I don't believe that's what Paul is trying to tell us, but what I do believe he's trying to remind us is that you and I, we were birthed as infants, spiritual babies. That's why the Bible says, um, calls it being born again. There's this picture that we are born again in our faith. 
and as we're born again, we are spiritual infants. But we're not to meant to stay babies. Like, could you imagine how terrible that is? If five of my kids, I was still changing diapers after 21 years. My oldest son's 21. I was still changing his diaper and still spoon-feeding him. Some of that Gerber baby food looked like the same stuff I changed the diaper with. But he, he must like it because he's eating it. No, Paul said, man, you, we were, we were birthed in this journey of faith, and we were never meant to stay babies in our faith. But this is the problem for too many of us as, as Christians that we're saved and we know we're going to heaven, and we know God has a call in our life, but we're just grateful, and that's a good thing to be grateful that you're saved. But you were never meant to just be saved. If God wanted you just saved after you were saved, he could take you and transport you to heaven, but he saves you for a purpose. He calls you. Every time God calls you out of something, he's not just calling you out of something. Paul says, he who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God calls you out of something to call you into something. And God wants you to become a complete person, spiritually speaking. He wants you to grow up. He doesn't want you to stay a baby in your faith. He wants you, he says, listen, until we all come into the knowledge of Christ. That means that there's two things that Paul says I think are significant there. That we come into the unity of the faith. One of the biggest ways that you will grow up in your faith is in the local church. Now, even saying this, some things I'm going to say, they're going to sound self-serving to you, and I get that. But let me tell you, it's not my heart. But I have to bring you the truth in love. Actually, that's one of the ways that we grow up, that Paul talks about, that, that we will actually speak to each other the truth in love. If I really care about you, I'm not just going to tickle your ears. I'm not just going to get you all riled up this morning and, and give you some cheerleader, hoopah, hurrah message that you get pumped up about and you leave, but you have nothing substantial, nothing that challenges you in your spirit to grow spiritually. I would not be fulfilling my calling if I just gave you that Candyland type message. But I'm up here to speak the truth and love to you. And let me tell you, this is, this is something that I've seen and I've seen it get worse. When my wife and I, I've always had this conviction. This might just be my conviction. I personally think it's a biblical conviction, but I'll let you be the judge. My wife and I have always believed that we were called to be a part of the church. That part of God growing us up was being a part of a local church, not just attending church. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about being a part of a body, that we're all connected because we're a part of a community of faith that each of us, he gives us analogy of a body that each of us are connected to each other with Jesus being the head. And so when we would choose a church, we didn't choose it based on, man, I really like the lights in this place. This is cool. You know, man, that worship was killer. Wasn't that off the church? That was so good. Man, that message was so good. No, it wasn't. Yeah, all those things are good, and they're needed. We need good teaching. We need good worship. And we have, we have an amazing worship team, and, and we have an amazing facility and all those things. But even apart from that, I believe that God calls you to a church. He calls you to be in fellowship, to be a part of a body. And this is something I think in church culture, in Christian culture, we have taken too lightly. We start to choose churches based on personal preference and convenience and comfort rather than did God call me to be a part of this church? 
Now, I'm not trying to put pressure on any of y'all this morning. I, and in fact, I'll go on record as saying this. There are some amazing churches in this valley. And I would, if you want, I'll recommend four or five to you right off the cuff. I'm friends with pastors. I believe in them. I love them. But I also believe that every single one of you, God has called you to be a part of a church. If it's not here, it's somewhere else. But whatever it is, you need to seek God. You need to ask him, God, where did you call me to be a part of? And you need to put some roots down. You need to get a foundation of your faith within a local body. Because let me tell you something. You're never going to mature in your faith until you get around other believers in your life that you allow in to get to know you. And here's the problem that I've seen. People stay in the church long enough till somebody gets to know them. And just when they begin to get to know you and they begin to see your faults, your weaknesses, your flaws, you get scared and you back off and you leave the church. I've even seen it where um, I've, I've had to speak to somebody because I see something in their life and I'll speak the truth in love, not because I ever want to come down on anybody, but I care. That's what pastors and shepherds are for. We're supposed to steward and, and shepherd the flock. And I've seen something in people's life and I've spoken the truth and love graciously to them. And you know what? They've left the church. Why? Because they don't want to hear it. Because the reality is they don't want to grow. I'm telling you, you'll never be able to grow into the complete person that God has called you to be in the fullness of who he's made you to be in your gifts and in your character unless you're willing to let people get to know you. That's why we value connect groups in this church. We're going to harp on you. Get in a group. Get to know some people. Serve on a hope team tonight. We're going to gather in this place at, at 530, and we're going to celebrate the amazing people that serve in this church, and we get to know each other. Man, I love it. We gather together, and when you serve together, you get to know each other, and you begin to open up to each other, and, and people get to see you for who you really are and love you for who you really are and challenge you. When, when we talk about, especially in men's groups, like, hey, I'm in an accountability group, what does that mean? Does that mean like, yeah, I just confess my, my junk to my brothers and we all pat each other on the back? Man, it's going to be okay, brother. You're going to make it. No, true accountability is I uh, give an account of the ability, the grace, the calling that God has on my life to you and vice versa, you to me. This is iron sharpens iron, baby. I cannot grow into the man that God called me to be without you in my life. And without me in your life, we need each other and we are better together. This is the beauty of the church. But too many people jump around from different churches and nah, I don't like this and I don't like that. Where has God called you? You need to settle that in your spirit. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to give you the truth and love. Wrestle with that. Ask God. Seek God. I'll tell you, when my wife and I, we, we, we did the church shopping thing. We went around about five wonderful churches in this valley. But I will tell you, the first day we walked through those doors, I felt the Holy Spirit say, this is home. This is where I want you to be. And let me tell you the truth. Here's part of maturing. If I want to be really honest with you, and I am because it's one of my core values, is authenticity. There's about three different times my wife and I, over the course of, of being a part of this church, we wanted to leave this church. I felt I was done. Fed up, didn't like decisions that were happening, didn't like the direction that was going, uh, whatever. Discontented, 
And what happens is you start getting discontented and it's like a root that grows inside of you that begins to turn. And what will happen is it will, it will keep you from being able to receive what God has for you in the church. And you got to be mature enough to, to learn how to deal with that in a biblical way. And my wife and I, we prayed and we asked God, God, are you releasing us from this church? Every single time God would give us a word, he gave my wife a vision. And that word and that vision would confirm, no. He'd say something like, no. Not yet. Not now. It's not time. And let me tell you something. Everything inside of me wanted to leave. My flesh wanted to go. But my spirit said, stay. This is what God called you to. Stick with it. I would not be up here fulfilling my call and destiny, Pastor David, if it was for me listening to my flesh rather than listening to the voice of God. And working through my differences and working through my problems made me more mature. It grew me up. I'm not some baby sitting there, Pastor, you're not feeding me. You're a grown man, feed yourself. You're a grown woman. This is how we grow up. You know how to read. Pick up your Bible. Listen, this is, this is what we have to understand, and this is going to be hard for some of us. And, and again, it's going to feel self-serving, but the church doesn't exist for itself. We exist for the sake of the world. There's a hurting world out there that, that even what, what God doesn't hear, this is the, for the equipping of the saints to go do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry isn't relegated to inside the building. If anything in 2020 that taught us is that, that we gotta get more outside this building and we gotta start taking the ministry and what God is doing and taking it to the streets, taking it to our workplace, taking it to our schools. Come on, taking it to government, taking it to the entertainment industry, taking it to the sports arena. Look, listen, man, we were not made to keep it in here and just because you are called doesn't mean that you're just called to the church. We're called to the world. In fact, one of the prayers that Jesus prayed before he left his disciples and left the earth, he said, Father, make them one, even as we are one. Why? So that they will know what I came to do. Part of our unity, listen, the world is watching through the pandemic, and I'm afraid that too many of us were getting on Facebook and we're more concerned about politics than we are, are about souls being saved. We're more concerned about being ticked off at our church and our church leaders because they're trying to do what they think is right and asked you to wear a mask and you decided I'm not gonna go to church anymore and worship because I, I don't wanna wear a mask and so the church got split. Can we, Oh man, do you know how sickening it is to me to find out how many churches were split over mask wearing? Really? Are we that? Come on, we're better than that. We're grown-ups. Come on, we got a mission that God has called us to. And if we're going to get sideways over petty stuff like paint on walls and loudness of music, and we're going to let things like that separate us, and, and Pastor Lance wearing ripped jeans and, and speaking the truth in love to me and all this stuff, man, we've got bigger problems. We're taking our eye off the prize. We're taking our eye off eternity. We're taking our eye off the fact that Jesus died for people for the sake of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever, not just us in here, but out there, whosoever shall believe, shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. 
But listen, we're never going to grow up if we don't start doing the stuff. The second point I got for you is that you're made for ministry. You are made for ministry. And even some of you, me saying that, it kind of freaks you out a little bit. What do you mean? I'm really confused. You're the minister, Pastor Lance. You're, you're the pastor. You have to get this. I believe that, oh man, what we're talking about, you guys, I think there needs to be a reformation in the church again. I think the pandemic was a wake-up call that we've gotten off plumb line. And we need to get re-centered on the gospel. And we need to get re-centered on what the church is and, and what it isn't and who we are and who God is. And, and when I read my Bible, when I read this passage, I think Paul is reminding us. In Ephesians 7, he says, but to each one of us a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That word apportioned is measure. In other words, God counted out that he's giving you grace. He's, give, he's given you ministry. You, I always tell people, um, I remember when I was meeting with Don and Ruth, our missions coordinators, and they would prepare to go over to the Czech Republic to do what God called them to do, the purpose that he had. And sometimes they... It's hard when you're a missionary because you, you're, you're doing something that God has called you to, and then you have to try to come back and reacclimate to your church and to your community again. And sometimes you could feel like, man, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I knew what to do there. And I would try to remind them that you didn't leave your ministry in the check. You are your ministry. Like ministry is in you. It's who you are. It's what God has deposited in you. It comes out of you, out of the overflow of what the deposit of God was put in you. And, and, and I believe that. I believe that even though that we are called to ministry, that ministry is inside of you. And even as pastors and leaders, part of our job is to recognize it and call it out of you. But, but we, we discount ourselves way too easy. We think... Surely, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough Bible. Pastor Lance, I don't even know. I didn't even know Lamentations was a book in the Bible. Um, I, don't, I don't know all the, the right words to say. I don't know what to do. And so we wrongly count knowledge as maturity. We think that if I'm in church long enough, if I know enough, if I've heard enough sermons, if I've gone to enough classes, if I've read enough Bible, then maybe at some point I will be able to become mature enough to do ministry. And, and I think we're counting wrong. Look at Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 13. If you could put up uh, Ephesians 4.13, real quick, and then we'll get to Acts 4.13. Ephesians 4.13, look at this. It says, until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. So we think that we're waiting, waiting, and waiting, and waiting till we're mature so that we can do something. We think that it reads like this. Ephesians 4, 13, 11, 12. 13, 11, 12. And Paul says, no, no, no. He's reminding us that God put some things in order. And everything in the Bible is specific. There's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. Look at what he says. Let's go back to Acts chapter, if you could put it up, 4, 11. Let's start at verse 11. I'm going to go to 11, 12, 13. And let me remind you. Acts 4, 11. 
it says this. Now, Jesus gave some gifts to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. The five, what is commonly known as the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4, let's get to verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, right? I'm doing this off the top of my head, hoping, buying y'all some time up there, but I'm going to have to go to my notes now. Ephesians, there we go. Got it. Thank you so much. Jesus, nope, that's the wrong, that's not, that's Acts 4. All you had to do is go back up to the, the beginning, but I got it. It's okay. It's all good. Tell them, can we give a hand for those guys up there? That's not an easy job. And, uh, and we've had some technical difficulties this morning. So look at this. Now, Jesus gave some gifts to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors, to equip his people, his people, that's you, that's me, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Can I tell you a secret? Until we all reach in the unity and the faith and the knowledge of Son of God, until we become mature, till we become complete. So how do we become mature? Part of how we become mature is doing the work of ministry. So we think, no, I got to go to another class, Pastor. No, you don't. Paul, it says in the Bible that within days of Paul getting his healing, he immediately began preaching in the synagogue. He didn't wait to go through church classes. He didn't wait to uh, uh, be discipled for years. He didn't memorize. I mean, he had the Bible memorized, but he immediately started doing ministry. I think this is the problem. We have in the church held people back sometimes for stepping into their calling and part of you actually growing in your faith and maturing is that you actually start to step out and do it knowledge is not maturity just because we know a lot about the bible doesn't mean we're grown up it doesn't mean we're matured but paul is trying to remind us that part of how we grow in our faith and grow in our calling is that you actually do something with god what god has given you Put it into action. That's true faith. It isn't just to, to write in our I feel like God is calling me. So what is God calling you to? He's calling you to something, and he's calling right now. What are you called to step into in faith? Because you cannot discount yourself. Because look at how Jesus set this up. When he called his disciples, did he call the ones that matriculated from Harvard? Yale? Washington, D.C.? The highest of the class? The 4.0? No, he went to the fishing yard. He's like, let me find me some good old boys that don't know nothing so that I can put my presence and my power inside of them and call them to do something so incredibly impossible by human standards. When people see it, they'll be astonished and say, oh my gosh, God must have done this because I know Peter sure couldn't have done it so that God would get the glory. Look at Acts chapter 4, 13, when Peter and John were put before the Sanhedrin and they're questioning them because they just were used to, to, uh, by God for a miraculous healing. Now it's not just Jesus, it's the, the everyday ordinary guys, the fishermen that now are doing the works that Jesus did and they're just, they can't wrap their head around this. Look at what they said. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished 
and took note that these men had been with Jesus. You want to know what the prerequisite is for you to be in ministry? And by the way, I know that's a scary word. You know what ministry is actually a nursing term? It means simply to help somebody who's in need of aid. Therefore, everybody in this room could be a minister because you can see somebody in need and you could help bring aid to them because you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. You're no different than Peter. You're no different than John. They were amazed because why? They noticed they had been with Jesus. That's the power. I'm with Jesus. I got his presence inside of me. I got his power inside of me. Yeah, I may not be complete. Listen, when Paul talks about his weakness, you know, Paul wasn't, he, he hadn't arrived yet. And he talked about it openly, and I love that. He said that um, I had this thorn in my side, a weakness in my flesh. I had a weakness. And he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. And you know what God's response was? My grace the cherish, the same thing for the gift. My grace, my supernatural empowerment is sufficient for you. It's enough. So I may not be complete. I got gaps in my character. I got gaps in my calling. I got gaps in my life. But I serve the God of the gaps. He fills in the gaps with his grace. How many are thankful this morning that God fills in our gaps with his grace? This grace, it teaches us to lean in when I am weak, I can say then I'm strong because I know it teaches me, yeah, I've got, I'm not complete, but I'm going to learn to lean into the grace of God, the power of God, presence of God in my life because I know that God has made me for something more. There was this um, teenage girl named Agnes, and um, as a teenager, she felt she's ordinary, actually poor, Grew up in a poor family. She felt the call, God calling her into ministry as a teenager. And, um, and she went to Ireland, and she went to India. She went to seminary, and she went through, matriculated up through seminary, and she got to a point, she says, this is all great, and I know a lot of stuff, but now I want to do something with what I know. That's maturity. Maturity is growing up in our faith by doing something with what I know. In fact, um, psychologists affirm this. That the way something, way we take a new identity on is not just by what we know, but it's actually what we do with what we know. In other words, you could hear great messages, you could know the word of God, but unless you start putting it into action in your life, there's this thing called faith, and actually do something with it. Go serve, join a ministry team, do what God has called you to do. By you doing it and stepping out in faith, and even if you feel weak, even if you don't feel prepared, what happens is God shows up. I can't tell you how many times I feel like, man, I don't have it today. I get up here and God gives me what I need, but he needs me to step out in faith and to believe that God's gonna meet me here and as soon as I pick up this mic, he's gonna use me, he's gonna speak through me, speak to you. And this is the problem because every time God does that, um, this is a problem for a lot of us because we haven't experienced that. We haven't put it into action in our life and so we haven't seen God show up and do something um, faithful with our faith and that it doesn't build our faith when we don't step out in faith and so for many of us we don't see ourselves as ministers because we're not stepping out in faith and giving God something to work with and giving God something to show up and do something with we're called to ministry but 
God uses everything in your life, you are, the third thing, shaped for service. You're shaped for service. This idea of sculpting is that God is sculpting you and me. He's shaping us. He's everything in our life. God is using to shape you like a potter. And you're like clay in his hand and everything, the good, the bad, the ugly in, in your life. He's using all of it. He's shaping you. And, and, and I love Rick Warren has this acronym for all the things that God uses in our life to shape us. And, and it looks like this. S stands for your spiritual giftings. This is why y'all, some of you need to come to our Next Steps class in our class called Discover because we, we're going to help you discover what those gifts are. You need to know what your spiritual gifts are. He's going to use your heart. That's the age. That's your passion. There's something that you're passionate about. There's something that, that when you see it, it stirs in your heart. It grips your heart. Paul said, I'm a prisoner to my call. There's something. He said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. There's something that grips your heart. There's a passion. The A stands for abilities. There's certain abilities that God has put in you. You're good at. He just made you that way. Your personality, the P. Did you know that your personality is on purpose? That just the way that God made you, now, now the enemy can distort all these. The word, he can beat you up and distort all this in your life. And that's why we got to get in God's presence, get in his word. Let him tell you who you are. And the last thing, this is one of my favorites, experiences. The good things, the bad things, the ugly things, God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means even the worst day in your life, God can redeem it. He can buy it back from the devil. He could say, just like Joseph, what you meant for evil, God's turning around for good. Man, I feel God on this for somebody. It never ceases to amaze me when I do counseling with people how, how much pain is in their life, how much they've gone through, how much loss, divorce, and abuse, and health issues, and cancer, and losing sons. And yet in the middle of it, God's grace is enough for you. And God wants to redeem it, wants to take that thing that the enemy meant for evil and turn it for your good and for my good. And that's why I want to close with this thought. Make the most of your opportunity. You're here. You're sucking air. You're alive. Don't waste it. Man, Jesus died an agonizing death on a cross so that you and I can experience this life and it's not just for us. It's not just for us, it's for other people. Other people need what you have. There's a parable in Matthew 25, it's called the parable of the talents. And here's where it gets real. Jesus gives them this parable that a master gave his servants some talents. And interesting that he used that word talent on purpose, for a purpose. The talent was a measure of weight, it counted. 75 pounds of silver about for one talent. And he gave one of them five talents, one of the servants five, one, two, one, one. 
And then when he came back, he asked them, what did you do with the talent that I gave you? And they each had to give an account for the talent that they, they were given by God. And the one that was given five, he used it and he had five more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. He went to the one that was given two and he said, master, I've, I've, I've made two more. And he said again, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's two more, I'm gonna give you more because you've been faithful with what you've been given. And then he went to the one that was given one and he said, what did you do with your one? And he said, oh, came up so happy. You're gonna be so happy, master. I still got it. I held on to it. I buried it because I was afraid. I know you're, you're a hard man. And, and he said, you wicked, lazy servant. Who told you I was a hard man? And I wonder how many of us, we are burying what God deposited in you and in me. We're sitting on it. And I believe that God called me to awaken that thing in you and to make you, help you realize, to make it count, you gotta make the most of opportunity. You know that word, opportunity is the word, the Greek word for keros. It means it's a keros moment. Like there is a measured out appointed time. Like you have a window of opportunity, just like you got a window of opportunity with your kids in their home. You got a window of opportunity to say yes to what God is calling you to. And guess what? If you don't, if you sit on it and you sit on it too long, he's going to say, man, you wicked, lazy servant. I never meant for you to just sit on that thing. I meant you to multiply it, sow it, give it out, give it away, invest it in other people. That's what we're here for. 1 Peter 4.10 says this in my close. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Do you know why I'm here? Man, I had an awesome job in business. I was traveling the world. I was making lots of money, and I was serving in this church faithfully. I had a good life. And I got to a moment where I felt God, I knew, inside of me, I knew that I was called to do something more than be a businessman. I knew God deposited something in me. But there came a moment, an opportune time, a window of opportunity where the elders and pastor of this church came to my wife and I said, we believe that you're called to be the pastor of this church. And I wrestled with it for three months. Said, I, I didn't go to seminary. I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I've never even been in vocational ministry before. God, how are you going to use me? But after three months of praying and, and a word of God, I believe God called me in faith to step into my calling, step into my divine destiny. And I did that on September 8th, 2013. My wife and I sat right there and the elders of this church prayed over us. And, and I got a picture I want to show you. It's a picture of that day. That picture right there, that's me and my wife. And I don't know, you can't really see this that good, but right behind us, as we were being set in and prayed for, on the wall, it said, make it count. And I've never forgot that. 
And I try to remind myself sometimes when I'm feeling down, when I, when I forget who I am and what God called me to, just like some of you, I believe in the room today, you, you've forgotten who you are and what God called you to. I believe that God wants to resurrect something inside of you today. This is, this is Pentecost Sunday. Listen, I, there's times I've wanted to give up. There's times I've seen weakness and limitations in myself, but God's grace is more than enough. God's grace is his supernatural empowerment to do what God has called you to do. And as we close the service, I wanna say a couple things because I wanna invite right now just our ministry team to come up. Just make your way up here. Because I believe some of you, Paul encouraged Timothy to stir up the gift stir up the gift. That means something settled to the bottom. It got lost in the bottom of life. And I believe there's some of you, man, I feel this so strong, that there's some things that God spoke to you, deposited in you, that you've let some things settle on top of and it's settled to the bottom. And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit wants to stir up that gift inside of you. So I want you to just close your eyes. Father, right now I pray for every single person in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict their heart, touch their heart, challenge their heart, stir up inside of them that gift that you've deposited inside. Now is the time. Now is the time. I, I want to ask if, if that's you this morning, if I'm speaking to you, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Just raise it. I mean, if you can't do this, we got problems. <laughs> this is how we grow. We say, God, I need your help. I need your grace to do what you've called me to do. I need your courage. Now, here's what I want us to do. If you raised your hand, I want you to just come forward right now. Just get up out of your seat. Don't think about it too much or you won't come. Just get up out of your seat. Come and find somebody to pray with you, pray over you. For the rest of us, I'm going to just pray for you, but maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. This is where it begins. Maybe I feel like there's somebody in the room that you've walked away from God. Today's your day that you come back to God and resurrender your life to him. You've been miserable, you're unfulfilled, and you know it's because you're not walking in the calling that God has over your life. Today's the day to come home. Today's the day to come back. Pray this prayer with me. Would you all pray this prayer? If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. And then I want you to come up and pray with somebody later and take one of those decision cards and mark on, I made a decision today to give my life to Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come on nice and loud. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, as me. Today, I surrender my life to you. Would you forgive me of all my sin? Wash me clean. I commit to follow you all the days of my life and ask you that you would make it count. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.